Principal Matters Podcast, Episode 70. Guess what? It's a great big world out there, and you don't have to be scared, because it's all yours for the taking, I know. Hi, Principal Matters listeners. This is Will Parker, principal from Skytook High School and host of Principal Matters, the school leaders podcast, where each week I bring you inspiring, innovative, and imaginative ideas for your own school leadership. This week, I want to talk about why your brain resists change. If you're listening to this at the time of its recording, I am currently traveling to Atlanta, Georgia to join Growing Leaders, Tim Elmore's organization, who is hosting a national leaders Forum, a fantastic time in Atlanta for folks to learn about his habitudes, to learn about leadership, to learn about how to move forward. John Maxwell is speaking as a keynote speaker, and another keynote speaker I'm excited to meet is Britt Andretti, who's written a couple of books, one of which I've been reading this summer, called Wired to Resist. You know, when I was in high school, my dad re-enlisted in the U.S. Navy, and we moved to New York, where he was stationed while his ship was in dry dock. And for a country boy from West Tennessee, New York was a culture shock, to say the least. And I remember being so afraid to speak because I didn't want others to make fun of my Southern accent that often I would stand around as if I was mute. One day, in fact, I was standing in front of a grocery store in Brooklyn when a man stopped to ask me what time it was. And I realized I was wearing a watch and he wasn't. So I just held up the watch without saying a word and let him read the time. And when we moved to Long Island, I began to slowly, over time, adjust to my new environment. But it was hard. And eventually, I began to actually enjoy the changes and the new opportunities. But the changes weren't over. Uh, During high school, my dad's ship changed ports, and I ended up attending three different high schools. And each move created its own set of new challenges and opportunities. Over the years, I have learned to become familiar with change. But in every transition that I've ever faced, I try to do it with a sense of optimism, but no matter how upbeat I am, the new experiences always present some level of stress or anxiety. And that's actually pretty normal. And Britt Andretti's book, Wired to Resist, shows us why. Why is it that change is so stressful? In Wired to Resist by Britt Andretti, she talks about how change in all the things that we do is inevitable. If we don't change, we don't grow. But her studies also show how our biological reactions to change are affected by the different cortexes of our brains. And understanding how our brains work can also help us to become more patient with ourselves and with others when we're facing change. Let me break this down for you in the most simple way that I can based on um, Britt Andretti's book. I'm going to talk about three areas of the brain that she focuses on and how they affect us when we are confronted with change. So try to hang with me for just a moment. Area number one, the fear response. The amygdala is a part of your brain that reacts that reacts to change with a flight or fight reaction. And even in organizational changes, like in our schools or where we work, our amygdala kicks into gear when we're asked to do something new or innovative or disruptive. Now, as educators, we know that disequilibrium is a powerful force to create learning opportunities. We need to shake things up a little bit for students to learn, and we need to shake things up, frankly, to be learning ourselves. But as school leaders, we have to keep in mind the difference between disruption and destruction. And people cannot operate or think clearly when they feel deeply threatened by change. At the same time, when we can guide and direct and coach and anticipate change, 
we can help relieve some of the stress that naturally takes place when the amygdala floods the brain with danger alerts. So area number one, the amygdala, always kicks into gear when we're focused on change. Number two, Andretti calls this the personal GPS, the in, the internal cortex of the brain, which helps us navigate new settings or situations or changes. It's like creating a map in our minds. Sometimes people react to new environments with curiosity, while others may react with panic. And it's important to understand that whether someone is optimistic or resistant, they still have an uphill climb mentally when they're facing a new challenge. Think about the first time that you worked in a new classroom or a new school. Until you figured out a place for everything, the new environment was not a habit yet. You burned a lot of brain energy adjusting and developing new habits. And the same stress happens with other changes. Our email upgrades, our website changes, our absence requests, um, curriculum mapping. Anytime, anytime we introduce something new into our daily tasks or for those on our teams or for our students, we can expect some resistance as the internal cortex kicks in to navigate and map out and memorize these new changes. And area number three that Andretti focuses on is the basal ganglia. It's called the habit area or new habits. The basal ganglia is this third part that helps us move from identifying new patterns to begin to memorizing and storing them in our brains until they become habitual. The longer we practice an action, the more ingrained it becomes in our muscle memory. And this happens because the basal ganglia allows us to transform information into stored memory that if we practice it long enough, it can eventually become almost second nature. So here's a quick takeaway. Understanding how your brain reacts to change helps you realize that no matter how well we can understand the brain, we are all still affected by these biological phenomenons that happen when confronted with change, and it takes time to adjust. Understanding that these responses are happening within us biologically can also help us think about the strategies that we can use to prepare for big changes in our schools or for small changes when we're managing our, our school communities. So let me give you a practical example from my own experience. Attendance policies. Next year, our school is adopting a stricter policy on attendance that more closely matches the schools that are in our county area. We're reducing the number of days that students can be absent in the hope that we can increase better attendance among our students. But rolling out that change began a long time ago. In the fall of this past school year, when our admins were meeting, they began discussing together the policies. My assistant principals began looking at what policies other districts were using, and they began to rewrite those policies and provide drafts long before they were ever submitted to our school board for approval. Once they were approved, they were sent out in informational mail-outs and in handouts. They were given to students at the very last week of school. They were handed out when students were um, working on finals, and they are notices that were sent out with our report cards to parents. We'll continue to share those out through the summer. We'll provide them in schedule pickups. We'll talk about them in parent and student orientations when school begins again. And all of these steps are because we are anticipating that change creates stress. So the farther in advance that we can prepare for it, then the more successfully we can help people transition with less stress. Inevitably, it will be disruptive. But anticipating the change allows our team to notify and communicate far in advance of the implementation you know, when I'm talking to school leaders, I often try to remind them that when it's possible, plan for major changes a year in advance. And I often see surprised eyes when I say that. 
But the longer you do this work, the more you begin to realize that when you're talking about a major change within a school, yes, sometimes you can do a quick, immediate change. And I've seen people that can do things quickly within schools. But I've noticed that in school settings, the farther out we can plan, often the better it is at helping people adjust into that change. You know, we used that same strategy when we beta tested new schedules last year in the spring, this past spring, before starting this coming school year, because we wanted to make sure that we were practicing a schedule before we ever implemented it in order to reduce the stress of change. The same thing for one-to-one. We've passed a bond issue in my district that will allow us to eventually put devices like Chromebooks into the hands of every student, but we're going to pilot this coming year with just five teachers in their classrooms and giving a device to every teacher within the building so that we can practice for a year and work out some of the pitfalls before jumping into full implementation. Let me also say a word that Andretti shares about caring for yourself during change. Because often when we're thinking about others, we don't often think about ourselves in change. And Andretti gives some great advice for how to proactively work towards self-care when you're anticipating stress. She compares it to the same way that you would prepare if you see that there's a lot of people around you getting the flu. You are getting better nutrition, you're sleeping better, you're taking vitamins because you want to make sure that you're staying healthy during that time. And so there's three things that she focuses on that I thought were so great uh, as takeaways. Number one is self-care, making sure that you are taking care of yourself nutritionally, taking care of your soul, taking care of your mind, making sure that you're taking time for you so that you are full of good energy to help others. Number two, mindfulness. She talks about the practice of stopping and being in the moment, meditating on things, being grateful, practicing gratitude, All of those things, those mindfulness, and I would include as a person of faith, prayer, all of those practices help us to keep a mindset that's not just fixed on ourselves, but focuses on what to be grateful for and focuses on our need for God, our need for our family, the need to connect with those with whom we work and serve in ways that are more focused than just the actions or the to-dos that we have on our lists. So mindfulness. And a third area that she encourages is simply play. And I think summer is such a great time to be reminded that playing, having fun, relaxing, engaging in, in activities that, that bring thrills, those are ways for our brains and our bodies and our emotions to recover from stress. And all of those practices, self-care, mindfulness, and play, better prepare us for times of stress or times of change. It's another reason why summer vacation, I think, is so important for students and teachers and families. So let's wrap this up. Feelings of stress and anxiety, they followed me in every change of my life from the time I was a kid, moving to new schools, starting new careers, becoming a teacher, stepping into school administration, speaking in front of crowds. All of these changes create stress, but it's encouraging to know that every time you do something new, your brain can actually, even though it reacts with the resistance at first, it eventually can adjust so that over time you can master a new skill. So maybe you're preparing for some new transition for this coming school year. Maybe even as you're walking into summer break at the time of this recording, you're thinking about some of those new things you want to do next year with your team or in your own practices. So let me just remind you from Andretti's research, realize ahead of time that no matter how well prepared you are, your brain will react with the normal impulses that it has to all changes. And at the same time, Being aware and preparing for these stressful changes is helpful in navigating the shifts that we will inevitably go through with more awareness and more acceptance. You know, I highly recommend 
Andretti's book, Wired to Resist. And uh, I'm going to provide a link in my show notes if you'd like to check that book out. I'm almost finished with it. I've been reading it as I've traveled this summer. If you want to better understand the processes that happen to all of us during change, read that book. Also, she shares multiple strategies and tips for leaders who are guiding, directing, and coaching others through change, too. So pick up that book this summer. And let me, let me ask you this question. What is something that you're anticipating will be a change for next school year? Have you taken time to plan in advance for that change in order to minimize the inevitable stress that will come with it? What steps can you be taking right now to anticipate what's coming? And maybe for you, one of those steps is to make sure that this summer you take time to play. Well, that's it for this week. If you'd like other free resources like this one, you can check them out at my website at williamdparker.com. Also, if you're in the Atlanta area this week and you are attending the National Leaders Forum with Growing Leaders, I would love to connect. So please reach out to me. You can find me on Twitter at my handle at WilliamDP or shoot me an email if you'd like at my email address, will at williamdparker.com. I hope you have a great week. And whether you are finishing school or in the middle of your summer, whatever season that you're in, I want to remind you that the work that you do with students is so incredibly important because what you do matters. And I'll talk to you soon. You're made for